what we do here is go back, 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 back. I was like, I will give you the first five rounds. The first five rounds. If he gets picked in the first five rounds, I will give you twenty dollars. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Mike McDonald. With me, as always, is Andy McDonald. And we had a wild, wild, wild card weekend. And uh, didn't pan out great for our predictions. But uh, how are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing good. I mean, I, I wouldn't go that far, man. I think, yeah, you know, know, we had a solid weekend. There were some upsets that I would imagine a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the fans saw and were shocked by. But it was a fun weekend. It's one of my favorite weekends of all time. Triple headers, you know, triple header on Saturday, triple header on Sunday. You know, we got the college football title game right now, Ohio State, Bama. It's just a great weekend for sports and it is slowly coming to an end. But this is kind of when we get into the, the thick of things um, for the divisional round. Those are always fun. I'm so excited about that. But it was a fun weekend overall, you know, and just kind of what we're going to be doing. I know we talked to, you know, everyone about the change and, and basically for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be hitting um, on these um, Monday night, Tuesday release pods. We're going to recap the weekend. Um, and then we're going to shift strictly into um, draft content. Um, it's draft season for anyone that your team is not in the playoffs, which ours is not, but we'll get some draft content. I think it'll be good to go through, um, you know, some players, teams, different things like that, make it fun for you guys, make it different. So First, we'll start with our playoff recap, get into the draft segment. As mentioned, I will give you a live college football playoff championship update that is currently, it is Alabama 38, Ohio State 24, three minutes left in the third quarter. So we'll give you an update towards the end of the pod, um, and then Michael will take us home. Cool? Yeah, sounds good. Let's get into it. Give us the playoff recap. How did we look? We made our predictions on the pod. We sent out also... Um, our predictions right before the 10 a.m. kickoff on Saturday about what we thought was going to happen throughout. How did that look? What do you got? Yeah. So like I said, pretty wild weekend for the wild card weekend playoff games. Uh, we had some, some interesting upsets, some games kind of, you know, turned some, some different ways we didn't expect, but all in all, I ended up going three and three. You ended up going four and two. Now, knowing that this was, you know, a possibility of happening, we did release our brackets, how we thought it was going to be. Obviously, different seating changes based off of who's playing who. Top seeds play bottom seeds. So that was a varying option. And since it did screw up our bracket a little bit, we will be releasing another bracket, uh, an updated bracket to kind of just pan it out from there and, and give you guys an updated version of what we're doing. And, you know, obviously... Brackets can be busted. I don't think any of them are fully busted, but ours aren't just yet. Fuck you, Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that was the change, right? Yeah. It, was, it was the Seahawks losing to the Rams because if, if the Seahawks won, it would have just matched up differently. And then also the Browns beating the Steelers. So that was the two biggest things that altered our brackets. Our winners are still intact, um, but we'll still get So then, you know, I, I think that's fair because if yeah. we would have submitted our predictions and our Super Bowl winner would have lost it would have just been like, yeah. oh, we're going to give another shot. Yeah. At this one, you yeah. know? So, so I think it's fair that our winners are still in there. Just how it, how it shapes um, is, is a little different, but anyways, continue wildcard weekend. So we'll get another bracket with the updated ones and probably lose those as well. But nonetheless, we'll get a new one out there. One of the more interesting games from the Raider take podcast side of things was where our mortal lock went. We had a head to head mortal lock. Baltimore was playing Tennessee. Baltimore was at minus three and a half. I chose Tennessee because I also chose Tennessee to win. Andy is flapping his arms in the background like a raven flying home to victory because he had Baltimore at minus three and a half. Final score, 20 to 13 Baltimore. Go ahead and gloat. I'm not going to gloat. I have too much respect for you to gloat about this moral lock, but you want to know who I'm a- You're lucky we don't do YouTube videos of uh, live streaming the podcast. I wish you did. I'd flap. I'd keep flapping right now. Um, no, it... I have I have too much respect for you to to rub this in your face, but you want to know who I'm going after? Hmm. Mel Dreamy. Ooh, he came at me. Okay, when you guys recorded the pod, he jumped on. Very gracious of him, by the way. Very nice. Thank you for filling my shoes. 
I was sick. Okay. I was sick as a dog. Didn't know if I had the Rona, didn't know what I had. And this dude goes on there and just says, he sucks. He <laughs> sucks at mortal. And I'm just like, damn dude. So anyways, that was for Mel Dreamy. That's at him. That's not even about you. You had to just take the other side. Cause you, that was one of yours. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to take the other, but that was at Mel Dreamy. So in your face, dude, you suck at mortal locks. <laughs> no, I'm sure anyways, he's gonna um, but yeah. So, so we had the bills win just to go run, run through them. Oh quick. yeah. We had the bills win, beat the Colts. The Seahawks lost. The Rams beat the Seahawks. We predict both predicted the Seahawks were going to win. The Bucks beat Washington football team, as everyone expected. We had Ravens in Tennessee. Like we mentioned, Ravens won. Andy picked Ravens. I picked Tennessee. We all, both picked the Saints to win. Saints won. And then we also both picked the Steelers to win. And that they did not do. So I was, you know, I, I'm out here saying they were who we thought they were. Neither of those teams were who we thought they were. It was such a way to, to cap off the wild card weekend, you know, just with the Browns team of destiny, the game started off with a snap over big Ben's head. <laughs> that was a touchdown for the defense. Carl right. Joseph, by the way, wow. fell on that. but yeah, it, it was just, it got, it was bad. But then the craziest part is that like, it got to a point where I think Steelers were down 12, 12 or 13. And they had um, a fourth down. They ended up punting, but they got to that point. I mean, it was 28 zero for anyone that watched it was 28 zero at one point it got to a 12 point game in the third quarter Steelers had all the momentum and they ended up punting and that, and then the Browns scored in like four plays like after that, but Damn. crazy weekend, crazy, um, just a wild card. It, there's just so many things that you, you have to, you can't, you got to throw out the books. That's what they say. Throw out the record books. It's wild card weekend, but everything was chalked for the most part. Um, Seahawks losing to the Rams was something I was shocked about. And obviously the Browns taking over there, but yeah. And so also, Big Ben's stat line for the game. I'm sure you saw this. I'm sure a lot of people like saw this. 47 for 68, 501 passing yards, four 68. touchdowns, 68. Yeah. Four touchdowns, four interceptions. He set an NFL record. I don't know if it was an all-time NFL record or a playoff record. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. 47 completions in one game. That's insane. You want to know what my, my wish list is hmm. for the off season. If he retires, Everyone's saying Sam Darnold. I hope Jameis goes to Pittsburgh. Oh, man. And there's no one that's more Roethlisberger yes. than Jameis in the league. And I'm like, that's that would be a Jameis stat line. It's yeah. 68 attempts, four touchdowns, four picks. That's the ultimate Spider-Man meme pointing back at each other. Exactly. It would just make my heart happy. I'm interested to see how big of a how big the ice pack was on Big Ben's arm after that game. I could not imagine. Yeah, it was all of the ice. It was it was just one arm. Just yeah. that was frozen. It was a bodysuit. The <laughs> bodysuit of ice, like the little kid from Christmas Story. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as far as the mortal lock, I know we talked a little bit about it, but it was it was a weird game. Um, the Titans got on him pretty quick, and I was rattled. Um, and then the Ravens were able to lock down on defense. Lamar got off he ended up getting um that monkey off his back for the playoff he had a bad pick and it was it was i think it was seven nothing he threw a pick and it was just like okay here we go it's the same narrative but they came back ended up beating him happy for the ravens happy for me take that Mel dreamy again last one not damon arnett but yeah that's all i have to say about that did you want to touch on the mortal locks or no i lost that's it is what okay, it is fair. i they they had tennessee had a final drive uh, to go down and you know like midfield Tannehill throws a pick it just mm-hmm. his dude his receiver fell to be fair yeah it was pass interference but I'm just, I'm just but that response is just such someone who has like lost three times this year yeah I mean I don't know I lost dude it was, yeah. it was like Belichick we're on to the division <laughs> yeah. for more walks you know <laughs> cool and what, what were your takeaways just overall you know I know that um, I caught some of the games I caught most of them but not yeah. really watched them through like what were some of the things that whether you're surprised about or just interesting about this crazy wild card before we transition over to um, our draft segment. Yeah. I kind of same situation for me. I kind of caught bits and pieces of, of all of them. Uh, I, I watched the Colts and the bills game the most, but I feel like a lot, a, a decent amount of them kind of, you know, kind of went the way we expected it to go, except for really that Browns game. Obviously we thought that the Steelers were going to potentially walk away with it or at least win and, you know, be competitive, but Josh Allen out there doing crazy things. And uh, Philip Rivers kind of, you know, he did what he needed to do, passing the ball. He actually did pretty decent passing the ball. Running game got going. Got uh, Jonathan Taylor the ball. And overall, just 
great slate of games, but I think that I don't know. I don't have much of a takeaway other than I felt like uh, there was a decent amount of things happened that we expected to happen, and then some wild things that happened on Wild Card Weekend. I don't know. I'm rambling on about that's, a whole that's, lot of that's wild, wild Card Weekend, dude. Yeah. You know, that's why they call it. I mean, I think there was a chance uh, on Saturday morning that number one, both our brackets and also the playoffs could have been ruined really quickly with the Bills not yeah. like not like crushing the Colts, but like they it, it was like well this might yeah. not happen. Yeah. And if the Colts would have won, it would have just been terrible. Oh, it would have yeah. just been the, a terrible slate. But you know, stop me if you've heard this before. Phil Rivers <laughs> under a minute left, last drive, and he's just hucking it to <laughs> to try to win the game. That's every Charger game that they were ever a part of. But yeah. It was it was an interesting weekend. I, I was shocked by the Seahawks ramp. Not, you know when it's divisional, we talked about it too, right? You know when it's a divisional matchup. They played each other so much over the years, twice this year. Um, you had the John Warford guy coming in. Jared Goff was questionable, ended up being active. Kind of wild, though, that they didn't have an active third quarterback. Yeah, right. Because basically, like, Warford gets hurt and Goff can't go. Like, Johnny Hecker. Yeah, Johnny right. Hecker, the exactly. punter, was – and he throws a good spiral, by the way. But Warford got hurt in the first – I think it was the first drive. And then Goff comes in and yeah, he got it was decked in the head. Yeah. Wofford got rocked. Um, but then Goff was just throwing basically kickoffs up in the air to Cooper Cup and hopefully yeah. got it. But it was just the Rams defense was super impressive and the Seahawks offense was not. So that was surprising. Obviously the Browns pretty crazy there, but overall it was a wild, wild card weekend. Like you mentioned, we will get those updated predictions for the divisional round. Um, now that the seedings are set and both of our Super Bowl picks are in. So we're good there. Anything else before we move on to our new segment, Revolving the Draft? No, I think we're good to get into it. Excited. Great. Looking forward to, um, you know, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. So we are going to be adding some draft content to the pod. You know, it's, once again, if your team doesn't make the playoffs, instantly you go to draft mode mock drafts, things like that. So how we wanted to do it is, is first of all, just quickly jump into, you know, just right now, what are some needs that the Raiders have? We want to, it is a Raider take podcast. It's a Raider based podcast. So we wanted to incorporate some Raider content. So we want to assess some needs, some things we're looking for. We have the number 17 overall pick in this upcoming NFL draft, barring any trades, um, so we're going to do that and how we're going to do it is we'll talk about the Raiders briefly. Um, and I'm saying that to myself cause I don't ever say anything briefly. <laughs> um, but we want to break down each positional group over the next couple of weeks. So we'll start with quarterbacks this week. We'll get into running backs, maybe loop in some fullbacks, who knows? Michael loves the fullbacks, mm. you know, but really we want to be able to identify, Hey, who are the top prospects for this year? Go group by group. We will start with, Hey, quarterbacks today we'll get into basically what are the really the ideal traits you look for in a quarterback or the traits that translate and then be able to take, you know, top five or six prospects. It works better with six just because you and I can split them up, go three by three. And then we'll get into the top six players at their position, give a little bit of a scouted report, talk some strengths, some question marks, things like that. And then cap it off with a fun little topic of hits and misses we are not NFL draft analysts by any means, but man, have we been incorporated into this draft for so long um, and have always swapped ideas, swapped thoughts. So it'll be fun to talk about each group, each um, position and say, hey, <laughs> I really like this and it was great, or I really like this this guy and it was bad. So good to go. Good to jump in. Yeah. Ready okay. to roll when you are. Cool. Well, what... I will do is, is start with you if you're okay with this. So we have the quarterback position. This is where it starts, right? This is where the foundation of a team this is what everyone cares about, likes to scout is able to look at, you know, the toughest position in, in really sports in general, for my knowledge, um, from my vantage point. So what are some, you know, traits or, or things that you really want if you were, you know, and, and once again, this is not, us saying that the Raiders need to draft a quarterback. I just want that to be clear before we're under attack. This is just saying, Hey, if you're a GM, if you're a head coach, what are some things that you're looking for in a quarterback right now, if you're going to draft him as it relates to the game right now? So 
thoughts, comments, opinions, please. Yeah, well, my first thoughts are, I will go on the record saying that the Raiders need to draft a quarterback. Not that they need to draft early in the draft, but they need a guy to train underneath DC, to learn underneath DC. Not someone to necessarily come in and replace them, but I think it would be, I think they're due to draft a quarterback. I know that Connor Cook was kind of, essentially, they kind of were doing that with him. Anyways, I don't want to get too much on a tangent. Come at me if you want. I think we should draft a quarterback, not to replace DC, but to have a legitimate number two. Anyways, uh, as it relates to the game now, I think I think the biggest thing you see uh, success for quarterbacks in the league now and kind of how teams are drafting is a quarterback that, you know, you could call it the dual threat capabilities. I think that's a term that's been loosely used for a while. But uh, just the, one of those guys that can, you know, create outside of the pocket. It's really easy to say, like, that's the kind of guy you want when you look in your backyard and Kansas city's got the best one, you know, in the NFL right now doing it, but you know, someone that is mobile can get outside the pocket, can create with his feet if he needs to, that can pass down the field. But really the way the game's kind of transitioning now is, is trying to get some mobility at your quarterback and, you know, finding someone that can create something out of nothing outside of the pocket if needed, you know, the, the days are kind of gone, not, not totally gone, but kind of gone of the, the, prototype the prototypical pocket passer that's just going to sit back there you know sling it 50 times a game but not be able to get out of the pocket because defensive players defensive pass rushers dudes are big dudes are fast you got to have someone that can get out of there if they need to and you see Mahomes Lamar Jackson Russ Wilson all the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now outside of the vets you know in the league like Brady and Breeze and Big Ben those guys are all mobile those guys are taking their team to the playoffs, winning championships, all this stuff with their ability to create on their feet as well as their arms. So I think that's not that mobility is the number one thing, but finding someone who is a down the field passer, but can also create with his legs, you know, quarterback first run second kind of thing. Yeah, no doubt. I, I agree with that. A lot of great points that you just mentioned. And it's, it's not about, you know, being so mobile like Lamar because the, you know, those guys are, few and far between it's, it's yeah. Vic and Lamar basically so but no I, I think that you're exactly right and you have to be able to say okay where's the game going and who are the top players of the position in the sport and so you look at Mahomes you look at Russ you look at Lamar you look at Deshaun and and you say you know what are their traits right and so I guess just foundationally I'm I'm of the kind of side of, of, of like, you have to be able to have something, you have to have an elite trait. And basically what that is, it's like, Hey, what are one or two things that this prospect is so great at? What are they really good at? And how can you incorporate that with that offense? So Josh Allen is a great example. Issues about completion percentage and accuracy and this, that, and the other mechanics, whatever. They basically said, this dude's a playmaker he can create outside the pocket. You know, obviously he's big and strong and can throw the ball, you know, freaking quarter mile, quarter mile. So um, you have to be able to say, are we willing to take the good with the bad? Not the bad, but the things that need to be addressed. And the Bills took a chance on him, revolved their offense um, and team around him and said, let's go. But I just don't like the vanilla, like, oh, he's pretty good here, pretty good there, pretty good average here. You know what, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's very well-rounded. Just like you said about the, the prospect that's a drop back passer and they can do a lot of good things, but not a lot of great things. And where I'm at with DC is I think that's kind of where he is. He does a lot of good things. What does he do elite? What does he do? That's great. I'm not going to advocate for us taking anyone at 17, but I agree with you that we do have to maybe kick the tires on, on a quarterback in a draft earlier than we're comfortable with because it's worth it. Um, So I, I back you there, you know, hundred percent. So um, we'll get into a little bit more as far as traits are concerned and as far as these prospects, but um, that's kind of what I'm looking for is just a difference maker. What, what does that prospect do differently at an elite level that you can really incorporate your offense around and just say, go right. If, if obviously if we were in the position that the dolphins or the jets are, are in, you know, or Jaguars, whatever, it's like, yeah, you got to go all in and just dive into this thing, but we're not there yet, but I think it's something we need to address and start investing some, you know, assets into and be able to, to try to kick the tires on something because it's good right now. It's not great. 
and we're not in this dire need because we have so many other issues and, and needs on the team, but that's kind of where we're at, right? I, I did skip a step and I apologize, but, but as far as the Raiders are concerned, we'll dive into it obviously more specifically depending on the group, right? But what are some areas that you think the Raiders need to address and where should we really, you know, the fans, where should we be focusing on doing our scouting and diving into what is a big first pick in this draft at 17, you know, where you can find a lot of value. Um, where, where does your mind go for that need? Well, the first thing I think about is how much we struggled to produce interior pass rush at the defensive tackle position, and then how much we struggled on the back end at the safety position in general, but more specifically a free safety position. You know, we got our young stud in Jonathan Abram at strong safety. He's going to be more of the guy that is blitzing off the edge like you have kind of said, the Jamal Adams type of guy. We need a free safety back there who can be a ball hawk, who can roam around. We saw injury issues, you know, dealing with the COVID stuff. It was a rough go at it, rotating Heath and Eric Harris and Levitt in and out of there. Uh, and it showed that we don't have much depth at that position, let alone really much top end talent at all. So the thing with that is that a lot of times you can find like the safeties tend to drop a lot in the draft. You tend to, they tend to drop towards the, the last 10 picks and then into the second round. So that's where it can kind of get a little dicey on, on, you know, maybe pulling the trigger out of safety at 17, but in my mind, defensive tackle and safety or just DB in general, I guess uh, would be where my mind initially goes. So. Yeah, no doubt. I agree with you there. I think it's, you know, I think we have a, a good roster. I think it's an underdeveloped and undercoached roster, right? So I think a lot of the holes and weaknesses that we found is not necessarily a lack of players or a lack of having that ability there. It's the development that's around it. So I think we're in a good spot, you know, and you look at the offense, there's not a ton of needs there. You could address some things on the O-line, more so future planning. Um, but I think they have to narrow it down to one or two what are your top one or two needs on the defense? And then you take best player available. So that's across the D line and that's in the secondary. So I agree with you there. I don't think we're screaming, like the stats say that we're screaming for edge help. I don't think we necessarily are. We are, we need to develop that young defensive line. So I think it could be D tackle interior, or it could be D end, yeah. or it could be a corner. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm, I am in the mindset of, 17 is pretty dang early for a safety unless it's Jamal Adams or, you know, Malik Hooker went pretty high as well for the Colts. But I think you have to take a look at the secondary and say best player available go or D line best player available go. Um, And obviously how it stacks on Mayox board is going to be different, but well, good. And as you guys know, we will get into a lot more Raiders draft breakdown um, as it, as it moves on. We're just in January, give us some times to, you know, dip our toes in the water here, but Let's get into it a little bit then for the quarterback. So we just detailed, outlined um, some traits. What are we looking for in, in that QB one? You, we, you know, we took the top six prospects, which are going to be talked about for way too long, for way too much time on every outlet there. But Micah has the number one, three, and five from what we think um, prospect wise. I'll have you break it down. Do you want to start with? five and go to one or do you want to go one to five um let's go let's go one to five one to five yeah i think that three through five four and five range is is probably the you know you don't hear as much about it you know Mm -hmm. so we'll get through maybe we'll just get through the the chalk guys early all right well number one quarterback on your board which is probably on everyone's board what do you got trevor lawrence let's hear it Yes. So uh, Trevor Lawrence, six foot six, 220 pound junior out of the University of Clemson. He really came on as a freshman. In 2018, he threw for 3,280 yards, 30 touchdowns and four interceptions, beat Alabama in the national championship game, 44 to 16. 2019, 3,665 yards, 36 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And the first time he lost in his college career was against LSU in the national championship game. This year, 3,100 yards, 24 touchdowns, five interceptions. They lost to Ohio State this year in the first round of the playoffs uh, and are currently not playing in the national championship game that Andy will hopefully be updating us on. But a lot of player comp stuff that people are talking about for him, um, they 
compared him a lot to Andrew Luck, which if you guys remember, Andrew Luck was the next best thing coming out of college since Peyton Manning. So he has a lot of praise. Uh, he is kind of the total package. He's a great pocket passer. Uh, he's got athleticism. It's able to give him the mobility to extend plays outside of the pocket, like we talked about. Um, he's probably the most NFL-ready quarterback out of the bunch and is the consensus number one overall pick in just about everybody's mind. Really, he doesn't have that many concerns. If he did have a concern, it would be probably that he can be too aggressive at times. I think that just comes from a confidence thing because he is that good. You kind of see after, so he balled out his freshman year, came out and doubled his interception total his sophomore season. And, you know, I think that's one thing you like to see is aggression with the quarterback and going out there being confident in his throws, but learning where to throw the ball, the ball placement on things and just kind of fine tuning that kind of stuff. I guess that's kind of really the only knock on him. He's, like I said, pretty chalk here at the top, but he is the best quarterback prospect prospect to come out in a long time. Not really anyone else like him. Haven't seen anyone like him in a while uh, in the sense of just an overall total package. So, Yeah, I love it. I mean, he, he's been anticipated as the QB1 since his freshman year, like you mentioned. And the Andrew Luck comparisons is really just how groomed and how you know, great of a prospect he is and how NFL ready he is. Right. Um, You can put up as much numbers as you want in in college, but whether you're the clear, concise number one quarterback for that draft is, is, is a different conversation. So I agree. It's that he's going to Jacksonville, just everyone get ready for it. It's decided the second that the jets decided to win two games and then, then have the Jaguars jump them. So, so I'll go into number two and that's Justin Fields, Ohio state junior, 6'3", 228, um, currently playing right now. Um, he's having a tough game. Um, they're down 28 to Bama in the fourth quarter. Just a quick update there. Is, is, as far as his, his traits and his strengths, you know, I think athleticism um, is one of them. So it allows him to create outside of the pocket. Um, he is a pass-first quarterback, which I think is a huge trait and a huge plus for him. Um, no knock against quarterbacks that are run-first, but – you know, it's, you can tell the difference between quarterbacks that go through their reads, go through their progression progressions, and then use their athleticism to get to another option another read um, compared to the, the ones that just, once they get off one or two, they just take off, you know? So I think that allows him to create in the passing and running game. He is effective. He is someone that the D coordinator has to, they have to plan for. They have to make sure that they can stop him. If the play breaks down, they have to be able to account for his passing. So that's the true dual threat, um, in my opinion. Um, and then his mental makeup is, is the second one, really it's competitiveness, toughness. Um, you know, he takes risk, you know, see that Clemson game from last week. He, he got banged up pretty early, came back in the game and just lit those guys up, you know? So he's someone that is fiercely competitive. Um, he's not afraid to take risks, like you mentioned with Lawrence and, and take chances down the field. One on, you know, not even just the ones that are just layups, right. But, but one-on-one matchups where he's going to trust his guy. Um, and I think that when you peel it back to the, the true great and elite quarterbacks in the NFL, they all do that. They take shots, they take chances and it's calculated, but it's, it's a risk at the end of the day. Um, the last thing is, is really his field vision. I think he sees it all. I think he can, process things quickly um, and get through his reads, you know, and that couples into my question mark a little bit is, is that even though he does that, does he have an NFL arm is elite enough to really fit it into those tight windows? um, And can he throw outside the hashes, right? So you can get through your reads, that's fine. If you can process things, great. But are you able to get through those quickly, and then be able to have the arm to anticipate and fit in those windows? And that's a question mark that I have. Um, pro comp for him is it's like a weird mix, right? It's like, I think he's kind of Dak. I think he's kind of Russ Wilson. Really. They are pass first. Um, the build and the, the, the way that they are, you know, six, three to 20, like that's a pretty girthy ish quarterback, right? Take, take away Josh Allen, who's just a unit in himself, but their build is very similar. Um, I think he, his arm strength is more Dak than Russ. Um, but they, but also a leader, right? So you can tell that they, they run it, right? They're QB one. They're the guy, they're the one that gets everyone on board and can lead with the competitiveness, the toughness, you know, and I, I know Russ is pretty elite in, in, in how he's been for the last five, six, seven years. Right. But 
that, that could be top end fields. Uh, I think Dak is someone that he's probably more aligned with going into it. It's not, not necessarily coming out of college. Cause I wasn't, as I will get into not super high on Dak, but Dak does struggle at times to not throw outside the hash, not be able to spread the field and spread the defense. He kind of works between the numbers a little bit. And I think that's where fields has um, really played the most part with his attack. And, and I think that's where he might struggle in the NFL is, is being able to throw outside the numbers. So that's why I went with the Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson comparison, but you know, I think he's great. I think he's going to go top five. I think he will go top five. We will get our mock drafts out at some point. We'll get there. We'll take some time for the fans, um, but it'll be fun to run through that, you know, our first round mock draft and then basically be like Todd McShay. It's like mock draft 97.5, you know, Yeah. but number three is someone who, um, which you'll touch on, didn't, he played one game this year, Trey Lance, North Dakota state. That sounds familiar. Carson Wentz went there. What's your breakdown? What's your report on, on our guy, Trey Lance? Well, if the name Trey Lance sounds familiar to you, it's because I dropped his name earlier in the, the life of this pod about how much I liked him. But 6'4", 226, redshirt sophomore coming out of North Dakota State. He only had one full year of tape and stats. In 2019, he threw for 2,786 yards, 28 touchdowns, and zero interceptions. He holds the NCAA record for passes thrown without an interception. I only know that. I don't know the exact number on it. But the biggest contribution also for him is that he had 1,100 yards rushing and 14 touchdowns rushing as well. So he was just as lethal on the ground as he was through the air. Some of his best traits, he's got a rocket arm. He's very aggressive. He likes to push the ball down the field, throw the ball down the field. He's uh, trying to hit that home run every time almost, whether that's you know escaping the pocket and, and making a big run and making things happen on his feet or whether that's trying to you know, make a big play down the field, throwing the ball. It's kind of always going for that home run hit. Uh, very exciting player to watch. That obviously comes with a lot of worry as far as like turning the ball over, making mistakes and whatnot. But he's a home run hitter type of quarterback. Uh, his biggest question marks really is that he was playing in Division Two. you know, North Dakota State, some some good talent coming out of there, great team nonetheless. They should be in Division One, But the talent he was playing against it's not your Bama's, it's not your Clemson's, it's not, you know, these D1 elite teams that are essentially what NFL teams are filled of. You know, he's not playing against the top tier talent. So it's like, all right, did he go out there and just torch a bunch of mediocre teams, you know, and then how is that going to translate? Also to having one year, not a lot of tape. You know, you don't know how he can, is he going to progress from year one to year two? He boomed that year and he, he just, he doesn't have it again. He's going to drop off or he's going to, you know, not be as confident and just struggle it's hard when you don't have, you know, see some consistency or see growth over the years. So I think that he is one of the more intriguing quarterbacks in this draft. Like I mentioned, I really like him uh, as a player comp. I think he gets comped a lot to Deshaun Watson. It's hard to say like, Oh, his player comp is Patrick Mahomes, but you see a lot of kind of Mahomes in that, in that factor, just like a dude that's got a big arm. He just wants to make every play. He'll extend every play. And it's not really over until the ball's out of bounds, the ball's incomplete or anything, you know, the, the play could take 12 seconds and all of a sudden he's throwing it to somebody. He's one of those guys that's going to be a pass first, but can also run the ball. You can also script up, you know, RPOs and different things to get him involved in the run game, but he can go out there and, and gunsling it as well. So he's going to be, he's going to be the most interesting quarterback uh, in this draft and seeing where he goes. He could, he could be a very big, boom or bust based on the system kind of guy. But I think anybody that's going to take him is going to take him because he is either going to fit their system perfectly like they want, or they have, you know, a plan to accentuate all of his skills and stuff like that. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, no. And I think that's a great point. And he's someone that I think, you know, like our, our guy Connor Rogers mentioned when he was on the pod is, is they're going to, you know, there's going to be an over scouting of Trey Lance where, there's so much film on the other three that we're going to talk about. And even the two before that Trey Lance could fall. Right. And, and there's, there's not enough to just be able to go and smack the table and say, this is, this is our guy. It's, it's a year, you know, and, and, and even a year of someone who is he's boomer bust, you know, it's like, he's high ceiling, high, you know, low floor. So I think he nailed it. And I think he's going to be absolutely the most intriguing prospect QB prospect on how he's evaluated, how he's looked at 
but I think I have the second, the, the second most intriguing prospect here. And that's, um, you know, and that's Zach Wilson. So he is someone that, you know, people may have not paid a lot of attention to. He went to BYU. He's a junior as well. Um, six, three, two, ten. Um, and you know, BYU doesn't get a lot of national attention. They got some this year, mostly because of him and they were ranked there undefeated, um, lost a tough game against coastal Carolina, but, um, he's someone that, man, he, he's a playmaker, right? So he can use his wheels. You know, he throws the ball down the field very well. He creates outside of the pocket, like we keep talking about, but basically play breaks down first or second reads, not there. He can get out and extend. And then he takes shots, right? He, he goes all in on these, on these deep shots. And he does have great arm strength. He does have great accuracy with these throws down the field, but some of that is like, might need to be reeled in a little bit, but you know, that's the thing that I like about him. He's a playmaker. He's someone that, you know, I think when you think of college playmaking, remember how exciting Johnny Manziel was, right? Just everything was just, (laughs) it was like, as if it was Monday night football, every play, it was just, he was going out there. It was fourth down with no time on the clock and he was trying to make a play, but take Johnny Menzel, no off the field issues. And then basically someone that is polished and can excel at the next level physically and mentally. But he, you know, something that I, I like to look at a lot is, is really like, it's not so much mechanics, but you know, can the quarterback be able to just rip it just kind of like, let it rip. Right. And, and what I mean by that is be able to like with ease, can you get it out of your hands quick? Can you just, you know, if you think of Rogers, you think of Josh Allen, you know, there's a lot of times where they will let pressure get to them and they'll stay, they'll stay, they'll stay, and they can throw off any platform. And this is kind of like that. He's not Rogers or Allen by any means from where he's going to be. I'm not going to project him there. Might have a little Josh Allen taste a little bit later, but he can just rip it. Right. So he can throw from multiple arm angles, like Mahomes, like Rogers, like Allen. Um, and it's, and it's easy for him. It's not like this just clunky kind of whatever, where he has to get into a certain, I don't know, level of, of arm angle and, and be able to get it out there. He can, he can rip it, but that's some of my question marks too, right? It's, it's sometimes it's too much. Sometimes he plays like every play is fourth down. <laughs> it's just like, Hey man, once in a while, you got to be able to check down. You got to be able to take what's given um, even off your first read. It doesn't have to be this deep shot every time. It doesn't have to be, let's just see what I can get. And, and I think a lot of that was because of his ability. And a lot of it was because of the competition he was playing. So if you think about it, like you're not worried about sec defenses, you know, getting on you quick, you, you can, you have time to be able to, um, you know, extend a little bit, see what's out there and then take your shot. So, um, and then my other question mark is really, who are we getting right? 2019, I don't really love the completion percentage stat as grading, but 62%. Um, he threw for 23 you know, a little under 2,400 yards, um, 11 to nine TD to interception ratio. That was 2019, 2020, 73 and a half percent, 3,700 yards, 33 to three TD to interception ratio for Zach Wilson. That's outstanding, obviously, but it's like, who are we getting? That's it. That's a question mark. Was it a flash in the pan this year or was it just great progression and then great, you know, improvement by someone who just it clicked for him and he was able to turn around and that's who you're getting. So that's a question mark. And that's why I think he's one of the more intriguing prospects because which one are you betting on? (laughs) And buried the lead a little bit, but Josh Allen is kind of, that's really who I think he is. And that's don't get after me with Josh Allen, six, five, two forty. I don't care about that. I'm saying the type of quarterback he is. You think of the year over year change that he's had in college. You think about the competition level with Josh Allen at Wyoming compared to BYU, right? Very similar. Um, and then really the, the risk taker that needs to be reeled in once in a while. That's who I think Zach Wilson is, the type of quarterback. He's not Josh Allen-esque. You know, Josh Allen's way bigger and more of a powerful, and, and he's pretty quick runner. But I think the, the way that they process things and the way that they attack and then end up going out and executing is, is similar to Josh Allen and, and the type of risk that, not risk, but like the type of evaluation you needed to have is if, as if you were evaluating Josh Allen when he was coming out of Wyoming. And hopefully the career, career trajectory is the same with Wilson and, and Allen for, for Wilson's benefit. So Zach Wilson, number four quarterback, very intriguing. It's going to be interesting, especially, you know, him and Trey Lance, how teams evaluate them and really how they look at them. So number five, take it away. Yeah. So number five, we got, University of Florida quarterback Kyle Trask, uh, 6'5", 240 pounds. He's a redshirt senior, which you don't see that very often. That means he spent five years 
in college football. He didn't see any time the first two years that he played. He actually was supposed to compete with Felipe Franks in 2017, hurt his foot. 2018 went out and um, ended up getting hurt again. 2019, Felipe Franks got hurt. Trask got his chance, threw for uh, 3,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions. 2020 season did exponentially better getting a whole offseason, whole season. Well, I don't call it an offseason, whatever offseason they had, but get a whole season under his belt for the most part. 4,200 yards, 43 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He was in the running for the Heisman very early on. Um, I think that going into the season, you heard a lot of names like the Lawrences, the Fields, Trey Lance, even though it was kind of like on a question mark on whether he was going to, you know, uh, they were going to have a season or not. And then Kyle Trask kind of took the world by storm almost just going out there and just slinging it all over the field. Florida rising as one of the top teams in NCAA. But he is, he's someone that he's got a very high football IQ and might be, might be one, might be the second most NFL ready quarterback out of the group. That probably comes from having five years in college football and having, you know, being so seasoned and learning a lot and then being able to put it into practice. But really his accuracy, overall vision on the field, being able to process things and, and you know, run the plays that are needed, hit his reads and be able to process through the reads, get those passes off. And just as a field general, he's very, very good, very polished in that sense. His biggest concerns is that he doesn't, he's got kind of an average arm and he's also not that mobile. So you want to, Pop back to what we were talking about earlier. He's going to be one of those pocket passer guys that's going to stay back there, have to sling it from the pocket, but he's not going to be very mobile as far as being able to extend plays, make things happen. He's kind of one of those guys like you talked about where he's pretty good at a lot of things and not necessarily got that, you know, that boom trait that, that sets him above the rest or, you know, where you look at it and say, it's all right that he's not good at this because he's got this. It's like, he's kind of well-rounded with everything. And like our guy Connor Rogers also mentioned, um, I believe he compared him to Jared Goff, where you got him back there. And um, and he's one of those guys where when things are scripted up, his first reads are there. But when the pocket breaks down, when he's got to try to extend things, when he's got to try to use his legs, he's not going to be able to do that stuff kind of well. So he's going to be one of those guys that's got to come into an offense, have a good offensive line in front of him, good structure in front of him so he can – produce his passing game on the field, but it's got to kind of be great around him or really good around him for him to be able to succeed. I put DC kind of in that to, to kind of touch back to things and of a things have to be pretty good around him. And he's, you know, can be a great quarterback, not comparing those two guys at all, but just that sentiment came to my mind. But anyways, yeah, I think that's the biggest concern for Trask is whether he's going to be able to come in and, kind of mold to way the NFL is playing now. And if he's going to be able to come in and fit into a team, fit into an offense and be able to strive and have success because of the way things are starting to turn and the way the NFL is adapting. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, I have and will be a lot more vocal about my feelings around Trask and, and I don't, I'm not just not his biggest fan honestly. And I think I've changed a lot of the ways that I look at quarterbacks too, right? I, I used to be a lot more conservative as far as how I evaluate and how I look at guys and whatever, but it's just, it's just not that way anymore, man. It's, it's really like teams will, you have to take a chance on someone that is elite. You have to take a chance, not elite, but has elite traits, right? To see if you can develop it, see if it works. And if it doesn't get out. Right. And I think Trask is someone that I've had my stories about draft day, but like, if the Raider, if the Raiders happen to go Trask at 17, I don't know what I would do. It would add to it, and, and I don't even want to imagine what that would be like. But he's he's fine, and I think he's going to be fine. And I think in the right team, in the right system, he can be good, right? But I don't think he can be great, and that's okay, you know? And that is a great segue to my next guy, Mac Jones. So currently, um, he has thrown for 464 yards and five touchdowns tonight. Okay, that's insane. And then my guy, Justin Fields, ranked at number two, um, has thrown for 193 yards and one touchdown. It's the difference between the teams and supporting cast, just so everyone knows. So before you get into your box score scouting, I would just take a look at that for a second. So some strengths. Um, so he is a junior, 6'3", 214. 
some of his strengths, you know, he can throw the deep ball. He can, he has accuracy down the field. He's a smart risk taker, which I think is a good quality. Um, he'll take his shots, but he also has been very well groomed and very well coached to take what, what he's given. And I think that's a, a good quality to have. I think DC has a lot of those qualities where he, he he'll take his shots and he has been aggressive more so when he's been surrounded by better talent um, and also has been able to take what's given to him and be good with it. So also, you know, someone that plays on the big stage, this is first, you know, first year starting. So Tua played a lot last year and the stage, even then, right. The stage is not too big. And he's someone I call that's like a flatliner, right. Is he, he, you don't, you can't tell whether he's super excited or super bummed. He's just, he is who he is. And I think that it's more composure than anything. It's more someone that can hold themselves a certain way um, and still be able to show the right, you know, the, the right emotions that the team can rally around and you can tell he's not rattled or he's not too excited, et cetera. Basically the opposite of Baker Mayfield. And then question marks really are, are two things. So athleticism, he doesn't create much. We've talked a lot about that being able to, it's, you don't have to run a four, three, you don't have to run a four, four, just can you create something when the pocket breaks down? And, and part of that athleticism for me, at least is, is his mechanics. It just seems like it's so hard. It seems like it's so hard to throw the ball. Sometimes it seems like it's, it's like, think Phil rivers, like everyone grimaces when Phil rivers throws the ball. Cause he starts on his right hip and it just, it's just this big, and just like shovels it out there. And rivers has been successful for 17 years, whatever, but you know what I'm saying? So I think sometimes um, he's just too robotic. And because of that, he's not able to, you know, he's not able to throw from different arm slots. He's not able to throw off different platforms. Basically play breaks down and it's either a, a sack or it's a throwaway. So that's why my comparison for him is Kirk Cousins. Okay. And I was, and I was really scratching my head. I was like, I know, I feel like, you know, I feel like I have this comparison. Phil rivers is fine. Not great. He is Kirk cousins at his best. You know, he has enough arm talent to take deep shots and carve up defenses um, and, and really stack on yards and points and et cetera. Right. Um, but a lot of things have to be good. Um, but he does lack athleticism and he's not able to extend. He's not able to make something out of nothing. And that's what he is. Right. Um, I think, Something that might be unfortunately um, graded on his end is that how Tua has played this year where they're not really the exact same prospect. Um, so I'm not trying to say that by any means, but it's the Bama effect. It's having Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, you know, you name it. It's a wide receiver factory that they have an elite offensive line. They have elite running backs. So off play action holy smokes, you have the whole field to throw to. So that's something that should be looked at, not to say like, not to discredit him and say he's not good, but that's a factor in in my opinion. So that's how I feel about Mac Jones. He's Kirk Cousins who has shown that he can be successful. He's made a shit ton of money in the NFL. So hats off to you, Kirk. Stop cooking your steaks in tinfoil, everything else. Great life, right? So that's how I feel. That's how I feel about Mac Jones. He's fine. Him and Kyle Trask, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know who I'd rather have, but I don't want either of them. So hopefully we don't take any of them. Well, good. So that's, I feel like hopefully that was a good breakdown. Hopefully that's some extra content for everyone to digest and take in from some draft stuff we haven't really talked about. Um, And it's going to be ramping up. We're going to be getting into more draft season, more prospects, more positions, um, and also, you know, some team fits, you know, mock drafts, things like that. We're not going to bore you with, seven round mock draft and maybe some something around once it gets closer, once things get ironed out with pro days, with whatever kind of combine we're going to get this year, we can get something out where it's beneficial to where we can start talking Raiders. We can talk about other teams that we need to focus on. So let's close it out with this draft segment. And this is something that I, I kind of added and I apologize. This will be out to you, Micah a lot earlier, but it's hits and misses. And I talked about at the top kind of gave me a sideways look because I didn't prep you as much as I should have similar to my Ravens pick, but you know, over the years we've been involved with the draft community and obviously the Raiders, this, that, and the other, but I know that there have been a lot for me quarterbacks that I was really um, obsessed with. And we're like, this is the guy, this is great. And it's either worked out or hasn't or vice versa. Like I think this guy's trash and being overrated etc. Very opinionated. And I think I get pretty dang obsessed with the quarterback position, even though the Raiders aren't always 
in the market for a quarterback, but because I sprung this on you, I believe you might have one, one or two quarterbacks that come to mind that maybe you felt really good about that you were right on or felt really good about and you were wrong on. Yeah. So I can't admit that I do. The only, the first thing that came to my mind and it was, this is the one I'll give you is the quarterback that I, I remember being really high on and that it didn't necessarily pan out. And that was Teddy Bridgewater. And it was one of those, one of those gut things that was like, man, this dude, this dude's something different. You know, we saw Cam Newton kind of come into the league and kind of set the tone for that dual threat quarterback and watching college, watching him at Louisville. It's like, this dude is like, he's looking to pass first. They're doing a lot of read option with stuff with him, but he looks like he's looking to pass first and maybe it's a product of the system, but you know, he looks like he is going to be that guy that is going to be mobile, can run the ball and, and get out there and get around the corner and make things happen with his feet. But like, is also going to be a passer because at that time in the NFL, it really was still like pocket passers are what you want. That's how you're going to win championships. The guy, you know, someone back there that can throw 40 times a game. And, you know, we saw, like I said, we saw Cam kind of come in and kind of flip the narrative a little bit on that. Um, and I, so I just remember being really big, like Teddy B is going to be, he's going to be the guy wherever he ends up going. And then that didn't work. And he is, you know, he's in Carolina now, but, Vikings drafted him really bad leg injury ended up going backing up at the Saints Taysom Hill kind of stole his spot there um he's in Carolina now and has played you know decent and played well by all accounts for the most part but that's not the future out there you know he's his time's kind of passed and I just remember it it was might have been more of an impulse thing but I remember being big on Teddy B being like this guy's gonna do something he seems like he is a better passer than cam in my opinion but you know could still work on his feet as well so that was the first thing that came to mind when you brought this up wasn't quite able to muster up someone that i was high on that nobody else was kind of high on and there's just maybe that's just because i don't get as uh as vigorous in my thoughts with things as as you can tend to be and and i definitely have stuff you know on on the other positions but this this quarterback the quarterback one not as much um on the you know knowing the the deep depths of the of the quarterback position yeah and that's fine and and once again this is my fault i want to <laughs> yeah, take ownership around that you're good. um but i would and i would also say that i don't think you're completely wrong on bridgewater he did get taken 32 overall you probably saw him as a franchise quarterback tough injury um with the vikings and then obviously came back and um, had a couple gigs, started to play for the Panthers. He's fine, um, but maybe not the QB one that you were thinking. Yeah. So a lot of factors there. And and really mine isn't like my hits were not like, man, this guy is being overlooked. It's yeah. more like, you know, whatever. It's being kind big of, on Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. I was a big, I don't know why no one listened to me in the sixth yeah. round. So for hits, I feel like I was huge on Deshaun Watson and he was someone that was in the draft with Mahomes um, and Trubisky. And even then like, you know, Mahomes still steals his thunder, right? He still takes that because he is incredible, right? But Trubisky went, was the first quarterback drafted. And I just remember him like, it doesn't matter about, there are so many concerns, right? And I think that's kind of where my mind shifted, where it's like, stop worrying about, oh, why is he not going to be successful? And start telling me why he will be. And are those facts and those points around something that is incredible, something that is elite? And you think about, you think about leadership, you think about big play making, you know, you think about being able to, when the lights turn on, being able to make those big plays. And you saw him do that time after time at Clemson. And it was like a couple one-off games with against Louisville where he threw like three picks. It's like, dude, relax. What are you getting in this guy? And I think he's, and it's, and that's, and it's like, Oh, you called Deshaun Watson. He was what 15th overall. Right. So that's not like a big one, but it was one of those things where I'm like, why are we overlooking this? And at the end of the day, you know, four years later, he's a top five quarterback. And I, I'm happy that I was on that side of it. What I'm even more happy about, actually, one of the most of things I'm happy about Blake Bortles. I know he's part of my take. I love part of my take. Great listener. He's big Blake of the year. He sucked. Yeah. dude. He was bad at UCF. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I think the reason I was so like big on it is because that they had a chance. Blake Bortles had a chance to go off the board before the Raiders picked, which he did. And he went three to the Jaguars where the bills were up next. We were at five and it was Sammy Watkins or Khalil Mack. And I think we've talked about this before, but I was like, 
and it, it validated me so much that I'm like, thank God the Jaguars did that. So then we can either take Watkins or Mac. We took Mac. I'm not going to talk about what happened after that, even though Mac was awesome and you know, he's on a different team now, but Blake Bortle sucked. It was a one-year wonder similar to Trubisky. And it was like, I think the report was he went to the Jaguars for an interview and they were like, he just seemed really confident or something like that. And then they're like, that's our guy. And then he's not good. Sorry, Blake, love you as a person. Don't really know you, but um, not a good player. This one, this is my all time. And I don't know how many people I've told this, but I've told you for sure. And it's actually funny because you and I were talking about the pod and you were talking to someone from back home, back home for me, because I'm not in paradise anymore, but you're still in that area. And you were talking with our guy, Tyler Louie. I'm going to say his name. All good. And man, I should know the year. It was 2011, 2012, but he was Kellen Moore, Boise State. So now I'm attacking two of my friends. There's one friend in Tyler Louie who I got into this thing with. And then also my guy, Connor Daly, huge, huge Boise fan, right? So Kellen Moore is lighting it up, lighting up college football, right? Like crazy. And Louie's like, dude, this guy's first round pick. And I'm like, no, like, and it was, and I was, it was like such a, for me, I was like, this is so dumb. Like what? And he's like, no, legitimately. Like, and he got to the point where he was like, I'm going to bet. like, dude, you're, you're off here. And then I was like, he, it was the same thing that I've been saying all night. Right. He doesn't have elite trades. He's a system guy. They play in this shitty conference, no offense. Right. But you're not playing elite talent and it's just spirit of the moment falling in love. Might as well say Jason white for Oklahoma who won the Heisman is the number one overall pick. Right. So we made this bet and I said, and I said, okay, check it out. Just because how confident you are, I will give you, and he's saying he's a first round guy. And I know I'm like to my horn a little bit, but it's a fun story. I was like, I will give you the first five rounds, the first five rounds. If he gets picked in the first five rounds, I will give you $20. And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> 20 at the time. Right. So I, I didn't, I had probably $40 and I was like, I'm willing to give you half of what <laughs> I have in my bank my account. <laughs> And for five rounds. Right. And he was like, you're insane. Like that is so dumb. Like, why would you, you're like, he's like, I think he's a first round. I'm like, I don't, I think he's undraftable, but Kellen Moore undrafted and I, he didn't pay me. Right. And it was years, it was like three or four years later. And one time I'm like, dude, you still owe me money for this bet. Cause it got rehashed again. And he gave me 20 bucks. So thank you nice. for coming up on your bet, Mr. Louie. I don't know how I spent your $20, but I'm sure it was with great Yes, on my end. Thank you for letting me run on that Four tangent. pitchers at Riley's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as far as the misses, not my misses, but my misses for the draft, Jake Locker. I really like Jake Locker. He was very fast and he made a lot of plays. Washington, Pac-12, Pac-10 at the time. I thought he was really cool, but he also wasn't a good quarterback and he was just someone that was like, that guy is fun. And I was like really big. And he went in the first round and he was bad. So, you know, hang my hat on that one. Um, Dak Prescott, I wasn't big on him. He went in the fourth round, but just what he's become, um, is, is a top 10 quarterback, a franchise quarterback. And I just remember, I just thought it was overhyped. I thought it was too much, not overhyped. Cause he's once again, still went fourth round, but it was also one of those things where he turned into something great. It's all about structure. It's all about the identity around him. And also he was a gamer and he was someone that was very competitive and, you know, was able to take that team once Tony Romo got hurt, missed there. Sorry, Dak or Justin Fields comparison. And then the last one, uh, Mariota. I loved Mariota out of Oregon. And I think it was mostly out of spite with Jameis. Um, I'm like, Jameis is not the guy. He's not QB one, but he was just like locked in QB one. There was like some debate towards the end, but I was like, it was the thing that where it was like Oregon ducks. We were like, we love Jeff, right? We love Jeff Mayo out of paradise. Shout out. And, and then it like went to Mariota when Jeff got out of, out of college. And, and we were just like, I, I just felt, I was like, this guy is great. And it's where the NFL is going to set the other. And not to say he's been bad, but he hasn't been what the number two overall pick was. He can't throw the ball well, which is pretty important at the quarterback position. Um, his mechanics are bad. I think he just might be someone that is going to be a really good backup you know, like he is for the Raiders. Talent's still there, but I just don't think he has enough arm talent. So I missed on Mariota, missed on Prescott, Locker. I'm not an NFL draft expert, but Kellen Moore, you suck. (laughs) You're an offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. I wish you well. I kind of wish you would have taken the Boise State job. Would have been a fun story. Disney Plus probably would have made a movie about it. But anyways, that's where we are. And I promise the fans and I promise you that I will give you 
um, more time to prepare for this as I sprung it on you. And I just <laughs> no thought worries. as I do run with things and think it's a fun idea. So yeah, it's a good idea. Great idea. So that's our draft stuff. I'm excited yeah. to get into more, obviously QBs. We can talk a lot more about it. It's just such a big position. Um, and we'll get into the running backs next week, maybe coupled in with receivers or do it separately. Who knows just for an update as promised um, Alabama beat Ohio state by 28 tonight, mm. um, 52 to 24. And that was a shellacking and we didn't, you know, obviously we're recording, so we didn't watch the second half of the game, but probably not the most fun watch for the national audience. But yeah. that's all I got. I've probably talked way too much tonight. And I did say I was going to keep it short, and I yeah, didn't. So that's okay. Um, that's once right. again, a liar. First time, first time getting into this into draft <laughs> content, you know, we putting it all out there. And the quarterback position is the one that you can, like you said, kind of go off the longest on. So it's understandable. But nonetheless, got our first – First round of uh, some draft talk in. Love that we're getting it involved. Excited to continue doing this as we look into, you know, the rest of the playoff situation, but also start getting into these uh, these college players coming out of the draft. So, uh, as always, share, subscribe, like, review. Give us five stars. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. We will get back at you guys on the, the next podcast. We'll be uh, previewing the, the second round of the playoffs coming up. We'll get you the new bracket and yeah just continue to pump out some content a lot of content to be had for sure right Raider nation love you guys i'm excited for this excited to talk more nfl talk more draft micah peace out homie see you next time love it